1: TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds, and you're up for late night Reds Talk.
2: What's going on, everybody? It's Monday night, and you know what that means. Another fantastic edition of Late Night Reds Talk Live. I am Tim Daniel, very excited for this week's show. It is brought to you by Bet Online and the Believe Podcast Network. Bet Online, I'd like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all best sport wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus in your first deposit. Just use our promos code Believe B-L-E-A-V 50 to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't want to take advantage of the amazing available offers for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And there's that. So let's go ahead and get into it. We got a really fun show today. Uh, I'm Tim Daniel, like I said, joined as always Bar, our guy, our producer, Mr. Nick Kirby. How are you, sir?
1: Hey, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm I'm excited, man. I'm excited to talk some uh, prospects, a little bit of Reds, everything in between. I've come to love the uh, Reds community that Clay's kind of tapped us into here. So uh, definitely excited.
2: Yeah. So that's the voice of Arm Layton. He's a member of uh, Just Baseball. Also joined us, Clay Snowden, who's been on the show in the past. Also, the Reds correspondent or one of the Reds' court for just baseball. I don't know. I found out he's a Celtics fan, so I don't really care.
3: <laughs> yeah, I my, I won't get into my fanhood because it's random and wild, but I'm doing well. Um, Pretty much a sin for, for you all to put this during the college football championship game, but I know Nick Kirby does not recognize college football. so
0: I thought Same. you guys write for a website called Just Baseball. <laughs>
3: Am I
2: confused or what's going on edit,
3: there? Edit all this out, Tim,
2: please. Oh, it's a live show yeah I also don't do the editing Nick does so <laughs> yeah. so there's that well cool um so RM and clay are here today they to kind of they did their list of top 10 prospects for the Reds and they're gonna kind of run us through everything and kind of talk about their guy the guys that they listed what they like about them what they don't like about them so uh, whenever you guys are ready to get started uh, we'll go ahead and get this brought up
1: yeah, absolutely, man. I, this was a fun one to write. You know, we we talked a lot about it. I was bouncing a lot of things off of clay as well. And, uh, you know, it's top heavy in, in terms of the farm system, but two guys at the top with, you know, probably the best pitching duo prospect wise in all of uh, baseball with Ladolo and Hunter Green. Uh, and that's a really fun conversation as to, you know, who I think can help the team the, mo- the most next year. Uh, and both of those guys, I think are a big part of the future and pretty close to big league ready. And then there's a mix of some really intriguing upside guys that you might have to wait a little bit for, uh, and then some guys in between those two. So it's, it's an interesting system, no doubt about it. And, uh, I had a really good time writing it up and, and going through each of the top 10.
2: Nice. So we'll start here. Um, at number 10, you guys have Andrew Abbott, who was a second round pick in this year's draft. Um, low a left handy pitcher, six foot one eighty. Uh curious here so kind of talk about him um should the reds fans be worried about the fact he's from virginia considering that's where nick howard came in who they drafted in the first round a few years ago
3: oh let Clay grab that one first yeah so nick howard was not a good draft pick at all um nick travioso was another um, oh. name name that comes to mind as two yeah. red reds arms that they picked that just did not pan out um Virginia pitchers armed correct me if I'm wrong on this have not fared too well have they
1: not great you know I I tend to stay away from that for the most part you know like it's always a popular talking point where you talk about you know where these guys came from and then the commonality there but I think Abbott's a unique guy where he just I I, I thought it was one of my favorite picks from the draft Uh, I was surprised he fell to 53 everything I saw from him I really liked I think it was a safe pick, a much-needed just safe arm in this system, especially a lefty because outside of Lodolo, I think they really lack those guys. He's super advanced. I think he'll climb through the minors quickly. Uh, I I think he's got a deep arsenal, a bunch of different off-speed offerings that he can go to. And I I just liked that pick in the second round. I thought there was some great value there to be able to steal him away. I was very surprised to see him fall there. But anytime you have a decent fastball that you can play up because of the fact that he has – an above average slider, a curveball I like and a changeup that has a chance. I you, you got a four pitch mix you can you can mask an average fastball.
3: Yeah, and I, I have not watched much of him um besides a few things on YouTube Arm follows college baseball very closely. I do not um but uh, everything that I can tell I mean I, I thought it was a great pick too and they like Arm said they need some lefties. Um right now it's you know Nick Lodolo but um, with Abbott coming from college, he's in a similar si- situation that Lodolo is. I know that we'll touch on this later, so I won't go too deep into it. But um, his track is a little bit accelerated than mm-hmm. you know, like where Hunter Green was. And when when we talk Hunter Green versus Nick Lodolo, we'll we'll kind of get get into that as well. But yeah, I like the pick. Um, you can never have have too many lefties with upside.
1: No, absolutely not. And I think the balance of of high floor. With still a chance to be a good arm, you know, with a little bit more of a ceiling as well. I think he projects as a good back end of the rotation starter and and a good chance to get there.
2: Nice. Well, that excited me. So I'm not worried about him being
1: Nick coward. <laughs> no, and you know, there's no, a lot that goes You should into not worry about that. <clears throat> yeah. You guys, the pitch ability too, which is which is huge. You know, being able to mix in all those pitches, that's where drafting a college guy. Yeah, you might not get an ace, but there's something to be said about the high chance of becoming just a big league starter. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Next time we move to, all right, we are moving to number nine. Cool. I've heard of this guy a lot, so I can kind of say I know his name at least. Uh, Reese Hines, uh, third baseman, also in low A. Um, Big power hitter, I know, obviously, has been the conversation for him, and there's been many of articles written about him this this season for a guy the Reds can look forward to.
1: Uh, What can you guys tell us a little bit about Reese Hines? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think everyone kind of knows what the, uh, you know, what the pulse is on somebody like Reese Hines, right? Big time power. How much is he going to hit uh, that? That's uh, a mold where it's pretty common to see those types of guys, but well, I was really encouraged from what we saw from Hines. And, and I think that you could easily justified moving him up a, a spot or two and easily could have put him ahead of Austin Hendrick. The only reason I, I kept Hines at nine was His season was shortened due to injury. I wanted to see him, you know, get a little bit more of a look in high A. Potentially, we didn't get to see that. Uh, Also, you know, I'm not sure about the defense at third. So that's something I want to see a little bit, too. If he gets moved to first base, there's even more pressure on his bat there. Uh, But I was really encouraged what we saw overall offensively. You know, I think he he kept the swing and miss in check to a decent degree. Uh, He he was able to show the power, 12 home runs in 54 games. I was impressed with his swing overall. I thought there was less moving parts than there were the last time we saw him. I thought his bat-to-ball skills were were improved from the last time we saw him. And this is a guy that could easily jump up the top prospect rankings pretty quickly. Uh, really, the only reason he's not higher is, like I said, that the season cut short just 54 games due to an injury uh, was the only reason why I didn't get to see enough to to boost him up a little bit more ahead of some of these other guys.
3: Yeah, and for, for me, Hines is one of those guys when he was selected – um, very raw. Um, everyone knew about his power. Um, I, I don't want it, this to sound like a negative, but maybe kind of labeled as somebody who has a higher bus p- potential than others, just with his swing and miss. Um, But I think that Heinz has a good chance to be a, a, an everyday player. I don't know if he'll stick at third either. I'm thinking maybe a corner outfield could be a spot for him in the future. Um, I think he's going to take longer than some prospects. I don't think that, you know, I, first of all, I think the Reds should be patient. Um, and, and I think especially kind of the direction that they're headed, they may be more patient w- with some of these hitters. So, um, I, I yeah, I think Hines stills a few years away. and still has a, more to prove. But um, if they can just bring him along slowly, not try to, you know, have him be the, person who takes over third base if Suarez starts t- to be you know t- the the typical Suarez you know come June or anything like that so um I like Hines I just want to see a little bit more from
1: him Ooh, we got a YouTube question on Hines so yeah let's hear it our, our, our guy Stephen
0: uh, Offenbaker asked will Reese uh really be moved to a new position because of
1: injuries I, I don't think so I I, I think it, it, that might be my my mistake if if I didn't uh phrase that properly you know I, I don't think that it would be because of injuries or anything like that he's six four he doesn't move exceptionally well uh I still would bet on him sticking at third uh where you know he'll be slightly below average average defender the, the bat's really what you're what you're playing for here and ultimately I think he sticks at third but yeah, if, if he slows down a little bit more, you, you could see a move to first base or corner outfield. If he can make the move to corner outfield, that's fine too. Uh, and I think that the bat is going to be, you know, the, the big calling card. What I did like to wrap up on him in terms of what was encouraging to me, uh, crushed fastballs, 93 miles an hour and up, which is something that I look at a lot with these big, uh, Power potential swing and miss guys that might have some length to his swing. I think that's a testament to the fact that his swing is further along than I think some may think. Hit 333 with a 653 slugging percentage against fastballs 93 and up. Held his own against breaking balls, which was a big question too. I'm looking at Hines to potentially jump up this list next year. Again, only reason was just limited action. Uh, but I, I'm I'm very excited, and I think relative to where he is. He's got a lot more upside than maybe some of the other guys uh, that are in this range and other systems. And Aram Ar- mentioned that he's
3: a projected potentially to be a, a average to below average third baseman, which is exactly what the Reds always seem to have. So he'd fit right in.
0: The Reds have a lot of third baseman right now.
3: <laughs> it's having Moustakis and Suarez who are both not good. Seem like having 35 third baseman. Yes, because. When you have two that aren't very good, you don't have one.
0: That that kind of interesting. That kind of leads me to, to my question on on Hines because you haven't projected it at twenty twenty four as the ETA, which is actually after both guys are gone. What do you think is the best case scenario if everything goes right for him? The earliest you could see him in the majors.
1: Yeah, you know, I, again, I, I really think that not getting a look at high A is you know it slowed him down a little bit. If he plays the full season, he gets to high A by the end of of that year, uh, this past year, and then starts next year regardless in high A, but would have a little bit more of a, okay, he's doing well through a couple months, we'll we'll bump him up to double A. He's going to probably spend a majority of this coming season in high A, uh, and for that reason, I think it slows him down a tick. I think the best case scenario, though, I think we could see him up by you know midway through 2023 if he blazes through this year I mean we saw a lot of prospects make up for lost time in 2020 and climb three levels last year uh so it's not outside of the realm of possibility I think mid-season 2023 is the best case uh and you know what like I said he's he's more advanced of a hitter than I think a lot of people thought he would be myself included so I wouldn't say it's impossible to to beat that 2024 ETA all righty
2: at number eight We have 2020 first-round draft pick, Austin Hendrick. And uh, the first thing that jumps out, obviously, is the splits there. Um, So, Clay, you know, as someone who follows the Reds as much as Nick and I do, I see 380 on base percentage and also a nearly 38% K rate. Why should I not be worried that this is Adam Dunn?
3: First off, Adam Dunn would be praised in today's baseball. Yes, he would. Absolutely. He is such an underrated, like, if I'm Adam Dunn and anyone who follows Adam Dunn to this day knows Adam Dunn loves to drink Bud Light and watch Texas football. Like that guy would be the, uh, he was a fan favorite. He'd be like an MLB favorite at this point if you, if he was an MLB. Um, but yeah, so, so sorry. I didn't mean to go off your tangent there, Tim, but I love Adam Dunn and he is I do too. I just to joke. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I just I hope, about I it. pray this guy is Adam Dunn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're in good shape.
2: <laughs> I did also bought a lot of Austin Hendrick base rookie cards as Bowman's first and everything. Is that a bad, is that a bad investment?
1: Um, yeah, maybe <laughs> um, they were cheap. Okay. Yeah. I mean, look, did you buy him now or like early, early? I bought him when he was drafted. Like the first okay. time when the set came out. Yeah. You know, here's the thing with Hendrick is he's a really tough guy to project because, and this is why I have him ahead of Heinz still. You know, I obviously was much more encouraged by Hines than Hendrick last year, but this was Hendrick's first professional season. You know, we, we didn't get to see him in 2020. And another really important note is he comes from an area where competition is just not great. I mean, he was, and he'll tell you himself, like he was facing guys in high school throwing in the upper 70s. So you, you go there from there to making the jump to professional baseball. and And that's a big leap. And the biggest thing that stands out to me is that the things that he could get away with in his swing that, you know, he could do against 78, 82, 83 mile an hour fastballs. He got blown up doing that uh, against, you know, big league or not big league, but professional pitching. And that's the big thing here is, as, as I look at his swing, there's too many moving parts. He doesn't have much control of his lower half. And, and for that reason he got blown up by heaters and he just was not comfortable at the plate when he ran into baseballs, he ran into them. He actually doesn't chase that much either. He's got a good feel for the strike zone. He was just swinging through pitches in the strike zone because there's so much movement to his swing and so many moving parts that he has to time up. If he comes out next year and simplifies things, he's got kind of unteachable bat speed that he could come out next year and be phenomenal. So that's why he was really hard for me to project. I look at his swing and I'm like, there's nobody that can get away with that. With that pre swing setup and all of that movement yet you know, if someone could, it's him and he did, found a way to still be somewhat competitive with all of that. His bat speed's crazy. You can't teach that. He's got a good feel for the strike zone. I'm not giving up on Hendrick, but I mean, he's got to make some major changes to his swing. If he comes out next year, looking the same, I, I'll be very discouraged. But if he comes out looking a lot different with a lot more of a quiet setup, I think this guy could really, really be one of the breakout kind of turnaround players uh, in the minor leagues is coming here.
3: Yeah. And when they selected him, they knew it would be a long road. Mm -hmm. Um, This was not like their first round pick this year, who we'll talk about where it's closer college guy. Somebody who's a little bit more of a closer to they are what they are. When they selected Hendrick, they knew that it would take a long time. Um, They liked his bat, um, particularly his power. So, um you know there's no reason for people and when, when people watch this show or, or listen to it i don't want them to think these are you know some us riding somebody off or you know the we're talking about 19 to 23 24 year olds like they have a long road ahead of them so right now he's you know lo- looks like he's struggling he was also dealing with a lo- little bit of injury throughout the year so um I, he's just another guy who has a long long road a- ahead of him but um, yeah, there's no, no reason to give up on him yet.
0: So I see that that pipeline has him at four. You guys, you have him at eight um Is that more the, the flaws in the swing that you see, or is that just more of the philosophy of the way that you rank
1: players? Yeah, it's more really just the flaws in the swing. Uh, I just look at that and I'm like, I, I, I would say with a high confidence interval that that swing won't work. Uh, and, it seems like a lot of people I've talked to seem to, to agree with that, you know, in the, in the industry. And yeah, you know, I, I think the reason why they don't bump him down necessarily is the you know, MLB pipeline likes to, to remain pretty, pretty stagnant on guys. And I think that's a good approach too. you know, it's a volatile industry and it's not a bad idea to try to level it out a little bit. I was just looking at, at what I saw from him last year and, Another guy that, you know, if he comes out with it with, with big adjustments, this is a very fluid top 10 compared to a lot of other teams. Uh, but yeah, you know, when you're striking out 38 percent of the time nearly uh, in low A and, you know, a, a big reason for the walk rate right, was that he was swinging through strikes and nobody has command in low A. And eventually when he got deep into the count, they walked him. But he does have a good feel for the zone as a hitter. And yeah, I, I just think I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more eager to bump guys when I see some major mechanical issues in their swing. Uh, but again, he he's he's a fluid guy that I think could make the jump back up. So the difference
0: between uh, your rankings and, and pipeline just for, you know, people at home is, is probably more you're more aggressive with moving players on a month to month or whatever basis, as opposed to to pipeline who kind of pencils guys in and doesn't want to move guys up and down as much.
1: Yeah, you know, I, something for me too is I just I watch so much and and I I really want to be as you know up to date and consistent as possible and uh, you know I, I think for for MLB Pipeline I don't know if they update as frequently um, and you know I, I'm curious oh, who they would who they would have behind Hendrick you know when I'm looking at you know what what they have going on here because. I just see when you look at the year he had. Uh, when you look at some of the struggles and it's still some question marks, I think he's probably going to end up in a corner rather than center. I just think that after a year where you're striking out nearly forty percent of the time in low A, it's it, it's hard to justify. It's more so the guys that I have ahead of him I really like, and I think once we get into the seven range and up, I like those guys. And and it was just hard for me after that year to to put him ahead of them, but you know a a big season would change that. Pipeline
3: also tends to put recent, like right after they get drafted, players in, um, not before they prove anything. Obviously, they proved enough to get drafted, but then when they don't move as much, so I would imagine, you know, Pipeline does not update too too often, um, especially like well, right now when there's not not a lot going on. But then they they put in the recent draft picks. And then they don't move too much, but, um, so uh, I could expect, I could expect him to move at some point soon.
1: It, it works both ways too, because, you know, I'm looking at pipelines now and, and Ellie De la Cruz is a name who we'll get to, you know, that's a guy that I have it at three. Uh, and FanGraphs has him as the number 73 overall prospect in all of baseball. And uh, a spoiler alert, I'm going to have Ellie De la Cruz in our top 100 uh, update in the next few weeks. So, that's a side of it, too, is I, I think they're they're slow to relegate guys and they're very slow to to promote guys, too. I think they still have like Royce Lewis in the top 100 and things like that. Fangraphs has Dilla Cruz as a top 100 guy and, and Pipeline has Dilla Cruz as the number eight prospect in this system. Uh, so I always find that kind of interesting. It shows you how uh, all over the map it can be a little bit. All right. So number
2: seven, uh, since this was the first year we started doing late night Reds talk. This is, uh, I, you know, looked at guys after they were drafted. And this is a guy that I looked at his highlights. I was pretty impressed by. Um, You guys can obviously speak more to your expertise on it than I can. That's Jay Allen, uh, 19 years old. The athleticism just pops when you watch the clips, whether, you know, he's, you can tell reading his bio he's a three-sport athlete. He's got a lot of upside Um, on base percentage. I really liked, I like the, you know, the K rates down pretty low. The 14 still on base is a rule sexy to me uh, when looking at his kind
1: of his projections. So what can you guys tell us about Jay Allen? Yeah. I mean, three sport athlete, you know, the more I I look at these guys that are getting drafted and just athletes in general in in the minor leagues hitting has become so challenging and uh, there's just so much biomechanically that goes into it now. And guys trying to just make all the right moves that a lot of guys that played multiple sports are able to get to places with their body, with their swing that a lot of other guys just aren't capable of. Athleticism is, is a premium, uh, even for hitters now uh, of all types. And, I look at Jay Allen. His swing is so easy. It's so fluid. He controls his body really well. And uh, that's a really important thing here because this is a guy that would be perceived as raw, right? In terms of prospects, just like Reese Hines is and just like Austin Hendrick is, but Allen actually has a more advanced field to hit than the other two. Uh, He might not have the the power upside that these guys have, but he hits the ball pretty darn hard still to his pull side. I'd say above average power to the pull side, uh, but a better field to hit than those guys and what I like about Allen is there's not as much pressure on his bat, right? Like he could probably play center field. If he plays a corner, he's going to be an above average defender. He's an above average runner who can steal bases. Uh, he's he's going to fill out more too. He's 6'3", 190 pounds. I think he's going to add a little bit more power, but could see above average power there. I like the complementary aspects to his game. I like the field to hit. I love the multi-sport profile. And I thought this was a home run pick after going safe with Matt McClain, who we'll get to. I love the upside here from Jay Allen, and uh, I'm expecting him to, to make a pretty smooth transition next year. Uh, and I'm, I'm really excited about this guy. So I've not
3: watched too much Jay Allen, but I was really excited when they signed him. I was worried if he was going to sign or not um, for, for a minute there, but um, I, I know I've said this over and over, but. The Reds just do not have a ton in, in center field in their system, especially anyone that's close to the MLB. While Allen is not close to the MLB, um, you know, I think that they were kind of banking on some guys like Siani and um, a, a few other prospects in the past to be there. And there, there's kind of this gap right now. And Allen's a guy with enough talent that he could quickly close that gap. um. So yeah, I, lo- I love the pick. Other than that, I I think Arm pretty much covered everything that. Now now, quick question for you, Arm. I'm just seeing this. Um, where he went to high school is that anywhere close to where you're from, or wh- where is that?
1: No, I think I think that's more central Florida. Uh, okay. But another big big talent hotbed over there too. Uh, and you know, a guy that played quarterback and basketball as well. Yeah. But yeah. No, I, not too close to me, unfortunately. Okay. What's uh? What's your thoughts on his
0: defense, his ability to play center field?
1: Yeah, you know, it it was hard. I didn't have too much of a look in that regard. You know, I could only get only only see so much. Uh, but in terms of his twitchiness and in terms of his ability to get jumps out there, I liked his arm. I, I think he can be an above average defender in center field. I, I really do. If he does get bulky a little bit and slows down, without a doubt, an above average defender in a corner, and then the bat would probably profile a bit more, but I think this guy can play center field. What I really liked, especially when I saw him on the base paths in terms of, you know, he's not a burner. He's an above average runner, maybe close to a plus runner, not, you know, this just absolute speedster, but his footwork is so good from football and basketball is his twitchiness is, is he's really quick. He gets good jumps. That's why he was able to steal those bags. I think that's going to play in center field as well. Uh, And I expect him to be a good defender out there.
2: All right. Number six, we have Graham Ashcraft just pitched in double A bit this year. Um, I know this is a guy that we've actually been asked about a couple times on the show. Um, So obviously there seems to be a lot of fandom for him within the Reds organization. Oh, Clay, you've talked about him before on our show as well. Yeah.
3: Yeah, And if you don't mind, Tim, can I hijack your own show and ask Aram the first question? Do it, please. Aram, for those of you who have not, and this is just to grab people's attention, for those of you who have not read the article can you tell me the name that you compared Graham Ashcraft to
1: (laughs) I have people are gonna laugh and and before I before I specifically explain it I ran this by uh, a few different people I ran this by like some of my my most advanced analytics contacts in terms of pitch profile movement profile because I was watching this I was like it looks so similar his fastball and slider slash cutter combination is a manual class A esque, uh, and I, and it's not even an exaggeration at all. Um, and, and and I'll get into it a little bit in terms of I the Reds top ten list was delayed because of Graham Ashcraft. I spent hours watching more Graham Ashcraft because I was I was diving into the splits because the splits are weird. Uh, in a good way, like he carved up all types of hitters, but but really carved up lefties. And I thought that was really interesting. Lefties had a 445 OPS against him. Righties had a 656 OPS against him, which neither is good uh, for the opposing hitter. 34 percent K rate against lefties, 23.4 percent K rate against righties. He's got that gyro slider type cutter movement, and he's also got a ridiculous breaking ball that that just looks like a, like a power serve. His fastball's got crazy movement to it. He is a difficult at bat, and I think Ashcraft could go into a bullpen and be spectacular, like right now with that pitch mix. But I think he's got a shot a- as a starter because the fastball sits ninety five to ninety seven, and it literally registers as a cutter at times because of that profile. And that's the the crazy thing about it. I couldn't even tell if it was on purpose or not. And the more I watched it, I was like, this guy just has a gyro fastball that you don't really see often at all. Uh, it's, I think it's something like two inches of horizontal movement. Uh, it's, it's like the, the profile is so bizarre. I, I can't even explain it. I'd get so deep into nerdy stuff, but there's a reason why he posted a 60% ground ball rate and exceptional swing and miss numbers. He does things with the baseball that you don't really see very often
3: yeah and so i i have heard about his name for a while now and i've watched him here and there but never really watched him closely until this year and every time he pitched not every time but most times he pitched i would go back and watch the game um simply because that movement is crazy yeah i'm mean, i thinking why is he not ranked higher why why aren't many people talking about him um and i thought okay well I am no genius and I especially am no ge- genius when it comes to like mechanics or anything. I thought, man, you know, maybe he's just older, older than these guys. He's carving up or something. I don't know. And I was waiting for the just baseball top 10 to come out. And our Ar- arm kept saying, oh, it's going to be this day or that day. And it's like. 1230 at night and I get this text from arm. He's like, dude, why is no one talking about Graham Ashcraft? And he was just like down this rabbit hole And for the next day, he just kept diving into him, And we were texting back and forth about him. I was like, I'm so glad that someone that knows baseball much more than me appreciates what the Reds have here. And um, he should not be thrown into any of these trades that that everyone's favorite trade machine um, does not value him in a way that I think the Reds should or that we, we as fans should as well.
1: This is the type of guy. Because this, the Rays make a living on, and the Dodgers too. They make a living on identifying undervalued prospects by their own organization. Graham Ashcraft. I, I mean, I don't know how the Reds regard him, but but just that's the type of guy that they would target. His his stuff also, like uh, something that I was really wowed by is he will go right at lefties, and like what's the one place that lefties love pitches? Usually, it's down and in, right? He was tying up lefties down and in w- with that power slider, like slurvish type pitch. It's biz- I don't even know what to call it. Uh, the fastball would cut in on guys and then he could also get it to go a little bit down the other way. Everything was going opposite directions. When you have a high K rate and high ground ball rate, really good chance for success, right? I mean, Luis Castillo, perfect example. It's really hard to have a high ground ball rate and high K rate and Ashcraft did just that last year to a ridiculous degree so you guys
0: probably both barring injury think he pitches for the reds in 2022
1: yeah I, I would think so right i mean that's more of a you pulse thing right because like i i think yeah. he could be ready by mid-season i think it
3: depends entirely on the other two ahead of him that we're going to talk about in my opinion he goes to triple A and pitches there for and I do do they want to move him to the bullpen? I wouldn't yet if I were the Reds. I think that any type of spot start or short term injury innings are going to preferably go to as long as they are healthy green and or Lodolo. Um, but I could see a, especially if the trade deadline comes around and Castillo gray you know tyler mally whoever it is that could potentially be moved um especially if ashcraft is pitching well but if i had a bet money i would say he would see innings this year i don't know how much um you know in there, there's always names that pop up or guys guys that get opportunities i mean Riley o'brien pitched and started in a game last year and um if he comes into spring training though and really shows what what we've been seeing, I mean, yeah, for sure, he he's gonna get some opportunity.
1: Yeah, and, and the last thing I'll say on that is, you know, when you have that 95 to 97 mile per hour fastball with that gyro type of spin where it cuts in on guys, and you can use it to lefties and righties, and then also manipulate it to a four seamer. Like he he's a unique pitcher, uh, and and I'm really excited to kind of see how. He continues to feel out his arsenal. He's someone that I'm really banking on to be a solid middle of the rotation arm. That'll get you a lot of strikeouts and uh, be a pretty high floor guy. And you want ground ball guys in Cincinnati, right? I mean, you you got a place where the ball leaves the yard often. You get a guy that gets ground balls as much as anybody in the minor leagues, and it doesn't come at the expense of, of swings and misses either.
3: Yeah. And I cannot wait until spring training because he's going to be that guy that like some people have seen his name, but probably don't know too much about him. And he's going to like carve up some like 19 year old free agent minor leaguer who's like, so, so, you know, on the backfields and someone's going to get a video of it. And the fans are just going to love it and they're going to attach him. He's going to be I mean, he has the chance to to really become, you know, up up there with the others as, you know, kind kind of the fan favorites to follow.
1: Mark my words there will be a highlight that circulates this coming year of Graham Ashcraft getting a strike that hits somebody. Someone's going to swing and miss and it's going to hit them. That's how ridiculous and late breaking his, his power slider swerve thing is. Uh, That is the type of thing we're going to see from him next year. Mark my words.
3: Nick, if you had to pick the player for it to hit, who would you pick?
1: Uh, I'm not going
0: down that, that, (laughs) that hill. Uh, I guess more for Clay. Any chance he comes into camp and is just, uh, wows him so much he makes the rotation out of camp? No.
3: No. And in my opinion, you should, to me, if you're going to give a rotation spot to a rookie, because, okay, so under the assumption, in my opinion, one rookie should start, if they're going to start it to somebody out of camp, it should be Lodolo in my opinion, than Green, than Ashcraft, um, if healthy, and you know, if if they're pitching well. I don't like the people that are doing the whole, let's trade everyone, we have these prospects, they're 23, let's pump them in. You cannot rely on, on rookies to win. Now, if they're just going to tank, then that's different. But as the roster is constructed today, I, I don't see any chance of him being an opening day rotation guy yet. Because they don't need to. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Like, why why do that right now when you have two guys ahead of him who Lodolo, in my opinion, is closer. Like, give him the shot, you know. Um, I, I'm just – maybe I'm slower than others when it comes to prospects and I don't want to rush everyone in. Um, I, I, I know fans are always yeah. wanting to call the guy up immediately after he starts. But, you know, put him in AAA – And, you you know, if he pitches well there, you can call him up. But I just don't see the rush.
2: General question I have before we move to the next person. I play in a dynasty fantasy baseball league that holds and saves and also innings pitched. Is this a guy I should target in the minor league portion?
1: Yeah, I think so 100% because you're either getting a solid middle of the rotation starter or you're getting a lights out reliever, right? You get this guy in a one inning spurt he's probably going more 97, 99. And that's why I give you the class A uh, comparison because the pitch has almost an identical movement profile to his cutter uh, when he cuts it. So yeah, I would 100% target this guy.
2: At number five, we have outfielder Alan Serta. Did I say that right?
1: Yep, Alan Serta. And uh, no, Nick brings up a good point too about you know MLB pipeline. Uh, they've got Serta at 17 uh, and and like, this is just one of those things that, you know, going into the year, uh similar guy that I I bumped up really high prior to the season was Gabriel Moreno. And I think he was 12th on the Blue Jays uh, top 30 prospects for MLB pipeline. <laughs> and now he, I think he's the 12th overall prospect in baseball. Uh, so, you know, I, again, it's a little bit of the slow roll. And this is another guy that I'm I am I feel like I'm out in front of here and, and I'm very confident in, you know, where I'm at with Alan serta I, I really like him. I I do think that there's a little bit of of swing and miss uh, to follow, obviously, Uh, but the the production is just too hard to deny, and he didn't really blink in high A. He actually made some adjustments to his swing in high A that I really liked, and that's why we saw the numbers actually improve. Whenever you see a guy have his K-rate drop uh, from low A to high A, which I believe it did with Serda, and then I'm able to corroborate that with the physical, tangible adjustment he made in the box. I'm going to be very convinced in that improvement we saw from the, from the promotion. And that's exactly what happened with Serda. And, you know, watching some of the towering home runs he hit, I mean, he hits some bombs, 108 miles an hour, 440 plus feet. He's got crazy power. He drives the ball you know, really well to dead center. He got better as the year went on driving it the other way. He walks a decent amount. Got the strikeout rate a bit more in check. Uh, He's a center fielder now. I think he can play there in a pinch, but I think he's going to keep filling out. He's 6'3", 170. I see him putting on more muscle, which is going to only add to what already is well above average power potential. He will be a potentially plus defender in a corner. I tweeted out a highlight of him making an absurd play, uh, but he moves really well. He's he's agile, uh, makes all the great catches, has a big arm in the corner. So above average defender in a corner, big time power potential and improvements as the year went on in terms of making more contact. This guy's a top 100 prospect for us and, uh, you know, towards the back end. But he's a top 100 dude and and he's a name to watch, no doubt.
3: Yeah, I have been loving everything that I, I've seen. I've seen from him I mean, when you watch him and you have no idea what you're what you're watching. You just turn on the low a game. And you just see the ball jump off his bat in a different way than the other players on the team. And that's what initially caught my eye. And then I was watching more of him in the same clip that arm is talking about. I I tweeted out as well, the day that the game happened and he's just in right field and makes a spectacular catch that same game. I think he had like three hits. Um, He was just all over the place and he's just oozing with, with potential. And he is on the 40 man, no, that does not mean he's going to make the opening day roster or anything, but um, I could see a, you know, a situation where he definitely climbs pretty fast. There, Like, like Arm said, the swing and miss is somewhat of a concern, but that power is real. If he can fill out, and I know Arm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was you and Jack talked about him on a podcast yeah, and how he trained with Juan Soto, or dude.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk he, about
3: that.
1: He did, and and the thing with Serda too is you know he he seems to really you could tell he he's looking to make all of those improvements, and and you could tell that uh, to make an adjustment mid season. and I'm assuming you know he's got a lot of guys at the you know if he's working out with Juan Soto, he's got some guys at his fingertips, and you know he was striking out thirty percent of thirty one percent of the time in low A. And gets a promotion to High A and cuts it down to 23% walk rate stays consistent like that. That is super encouraging. Tells me he's smart at the plate. He's explosive. He's got swagger in the box as well. And um, my buddy Jack, who hosted a baseball show with me, is play-by-play broadcaster for the Fort Wayne Tin Cap. Saw a lot of to too, and he said, you know, that's one of those guys that you just—it's different when it comes off his bat. And, and I totally agree. And I'm I'm really excited about this guy. He was added to
0: the the forty man, uh so correct me if I'm wrong, but that typically i mean you know that that helps push guys along, right? because yeah. you don't want a guy just sitting in your forty man roster holding a spot for you know forever. It doesn't mean you know they're gonna rush him up in May of this year or anything, but
1: and, and I think it tells you where they value him though, too, right? Like you're adding this guy to the forty man, you know, protecting him uh from the rule five. When you know he's not going to be up in the big leagues tomorrow, I mean those forty-man roster spots are gold. You know they're really important to teams, and you, you look at at what the Reds are doing here, adding him there. I think it says a lot. You know it, it also tells you that he's a lot better than the seventeenth prospect uh, yeah. in the Red system, right? Uh, the the Cardinals, for example, they don't protect Luke and Baker, who can swing it, but they don't protect him from the Rule Five draft. And I believe he's ranked in the top 10, uh, you know, in some other prospect rankings that clearly tells you that the Cardinals don't value him as a top 10 prospect. The guy raked in triple a, and they didn't add him in that tells you where they value him. The rule five is a nice little clue into where teams value some of their players. And if you're adding this guy to the 40 man, just because you're scared at the off chance that somebody drafts him in the rule five and throws him straight in the big leagues. uh, That tells you one, that they're afraid other teams might be just as high on him. And two, they're extremely high on him, and, and I see every reason why.
3: Yeah, and it's not uncommon for the Reds to do this. Um, Ho- Jose Siri was in a similar position; all the tools in the world, they put put him on the forty man roster. He was, in my opinion, not as close De- defensively. He was he 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 could have played in the MLB at that point, but um, they ended up losing him and moving on from him because they needed that spot. I think Serna is a little bit further along with the bat. Um, And less swing than miss. But yeah, when you see guys with tools like this and ability like this, you put them on that, you know, a lot of people think, okay, does that translate to him playing this year? No. Um, You can always move them off as well. So like um, what, what arm was saying is, you know, it gives you an idea of what they think of them. Well, that's true for position players in the most part. I think a lot of times with, you know, especially bullpen arms, They'll add guys who have one one or two things that's really interesting, but are close and in a pinch could be used. Um, so I don't want pe- people to think like Daniel du- Duarte or whatever his name is that was added by the Reds who like pitched in the Mexican League is like, you know, somebody who the Reds thinks a top, top five prospect or anything. But um, yeah, Serta is one of those guys who's just, I, I mean, the bat comes off of his ball in a different way.
0: Is his defense in center field good enough right now to to play in the majors?
1: You know, he's he's a guy that, you know, he's such a good athlete that he'll make up for some of the bad routes and the bad reads that just any young player has. So I would say just with the way that the guys hit the ball in the bigs, probably not yet, but he is, uh, you know, he is a guy that I think is, is above average at the position, especially relative to his level. Uh, and, you know, you talk to guys in the minors – they always say just the ball comes off so different uh, once you get to double a. And then once you get to the big leagues uh, and and I just think it would be a little bit of, of stretching him out. Uh, but I, I think he'll be there pretty, pretty soon once he gets some more run in double a. And if he doesn't slow down at all, he could stick there. I think he could play there in a pinch no matter what. Uh, but if he, if he slows down a step, uh, he'll definitely be an above average defender in the corner. Great
3: Americans an easier place to place. Since, you know, if they, they, they put Shin Choo, Choo out there. Yeah, in no, he could do it. He like, could do it. He could definitely. Yeah, he could do They
1: it. put Jesse Winker out there Jesse in center Winker, field. center fielder. Yeah, no, no, he'll be better than that. I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> Can't be worse <laughs> than that. Yeah, I just, you know, w- w- with the Reds, you know, two main center field options right now are Sinzel and, and Naquin. I mean, both guys have had a, a lot of injuries, you know. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Concerta. You know being on the 40 man you know he could a pinch you know get into the midseason he gets called up for a couple weeks is that something possible this year
1: I think if you're in a crazy pinch it's possible I also wouldn't rule out Matt McClain being able to do that too uh I really think Matt McClain is one of those guys that that is as safe as it gets and we'll get to him too uh I just I don't know if they're gonna want to stunt Sarah like stunt Sarah's growth you know he's made so much Smith he's accumulated so much momentum, especially after that promotion to high A, but he could be a guy that quickly gets the bump to double A. And I mean, then once you're hitting in double A, then, then it becomes a little bit more, you know, justifiable to to be aggressive. But I think early 2023 is probably uh, the, the most likely fast track and, and, and very possible scenario.
2: And number four, arms mentioned his name a couple times already through this podcast. This is Ellie De La Cruz. So I imagine you have some excitement about this young man.
1: Let me start with uh, a spicy, super hot take that. Oh uh, boy. I think we're, we're safe from Yankee fans. So we should be I okay right now. Is going. He, he knows what I'm going to say. Ellie De La Cruz is a better prospect than Jason Dominguez. And I just want to put that out there now. Uh, he is a better prospect than Jason Dominguez. And there's nothing that Jason Dominguez does that Ellie De la Cruz can't. And I'll get into that right now. So Dela Cruz obviously has a ways to go in terms of hitting because he's 19 and he's a switch hitter. And we got to see, you know, just more in the bat to ball skills department but he's pretty darn good already given how raw he is. He's a plus plus runner. He has insane raw power. I I was baffled watching this guy, watching him motor around on a multiple triples where it was like four strides. And he already got from first to second, four more strides. He's sliding into third. I was, I was floored. He's already posting exit velocities over 110 miles per hour, which is in, the top two, three percentile uh, really for the minor leagues and at his age is off the charts. Factor in that he's 150 pounds, which is what I weighed, I think, in eighth grade. And he's already posting those kind of exit velos that shows you how freakishly athletic he is. Switch hitter already, as I mentioned, the plus plus runner, a ridiculous arm, I think a 70 grade arm. I don't really know what, what we're like missing here. I don't know how this guy isn't on every top 100 list, uh, especially in a world where it's always about speculation. I typically like to see a bit more results before I bump guys up. That was always my pet peeve with Dominguez. But if we're going to celebrate Dominguez, Dela Cruz is faster than him. He's posted better exit velos already, or at least right there with him. Uh, he's a better defender and he has room to grow physically. Dominguez is maxed out. He can't, he could not physically add any more strength or whole blow up. So I, I just, I look at these two guys and I think it really puts it in perspective because I think this guy, well inside of the top 100. And if he has a big year, he's going to be on everybody's list. Mark my words.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with all of that. Um, I, I cannot wait to see him in the spring because some people have said, and you know, who knows what to believe, but, that he's grown even taller, which is, in my opinion, bad. Yeah, like, right. too, we don't need O'Neil Cruz out here or anything, but, um, hey, but O'Neal so,
1: Cruz is generational in terms of the power.
3: Yeah. I, I, I bet the height. Um, but you know, if, if he sticks that short, that's awesome. If he moves to third, that's fine too. I mean, I, I feel like you could put him anywhere and he could learn that that position he's that athletic and i know that there's been clips are all around tw- twitter this year of him running and that alone is much bit better than dominguez who struggles to run um i i said on the podcast with arm that dominguez runs like enos Cantor. for anyone who can, who
2: can picture <laughs> and, that
1: and it is freedom um, yeah enos yeah freedom and- And he still gets plus running grades, although Baseball America just came around and bumped him all the way down to like fifty on his run tool. I watched Dominguez in person, and I was just like, I mean, the power's there. Like he's he's got all the he's got plenty of potential. But you know, if he if if Dela Cruz was a five million dollar Yankee signee too, and showing what he's showing right now, he'd he'd be you know celebrated the same way. But he was an under the radar sixty five thousand dollar international free agent, and that. That really comes into effect with a lot of these top prospects, especially when they don't, you know, do all of their due diligence. I think that's exactly what happened with Dela Cruz. But guess what? A vast majority of these top prospects were $150,000, $300,000 guys, just as much as the $5 million guys are. Because guess what? That industry is so effed up in terms of how they blow up some of these guys, how they, you know, I would say, you know, just really bolster their, their figures or their numbers. I I actually talked to uh, a Baseball America one of, one of my buddies at Baseball America right over there and I was venting to him about the the whole international free agency thing and just how messed up the whole system is and you know how how it would be interesting to kind of ex- expose a lot of the the holes in it uh and he said I wouldn't do that you could die and I thought it was dramatic but I realized how much money's in there you know in in these countries where it just is what it is and so, you know, I think you have a lot of guys that fly under the radar and Aledo Cruz is one of the one of the biggest examples. Yeah, he's also a switch
3: hitter, which is something – I've mentioned this to Nick like middle of the year. I'm like, the Reds never have a switch hitter. And when they do, they've been so bad that they've pretty much given up switch hitting. Um, I, I, I don't know. It doesn't really mean anything. But it is nice to kind of break up a lineup, especially with how many, you know – Le- lefty bats the reds have had or how many people who can't hit lefties um just not having to worry about so many platoons and s- stuff like that just helps with roster construction as well 100%.
2: It's interesting you mentioned uh, Jason Dominguez because obviously like I mentioned earlier as a baseball card collector he's kind of like the big investment. Uh his PSA 10s have now dropped to about $41. People were spending $500 on that
1: during the season. Wow, they've dropped that much. Yeah. So don't, don't invest three for 53 against breaking balls uh, this year for Dominguez. Yeah. Three for 53 against breaking balls. Uh, and you know, you look at the run grades at pipeline gives him 65. There's no way Dilla Cruz is a, is a true 70 guy. Uh, and might even be more than that. Honestly, he, he could be one of the fastest guys in baseball, uh, but obviously he'll probably slow down a, t- a tad uh, just as the more he, he fills out. But, yeah, that this guy could be literally has as much upside as any prospect in baseball. I just got to see more before I, you know, put him way up there.
0: You, you've talked me into superstar. Um, yeah. Can he
1: play shortstop? That's what Billy I'm Billy Hamilton at. that can hit. I'm excited. Right, right uh, now absolutely. If he turns into 6 foot 7 O'Neal Cruz like I, then I don't know. Uh but right now 100%. I was watching him make some plays that were special. He moves well. His arm is outrageous. Yeah, he could play short. So just put Barrero
0: in center field, clear spot, right? No. Could do that. I think Barrero just could play kidding. third. Oh. Ooh. He, he
3: he did play some third in AAA right before he got called up after not playing there all year. They played him a few games at third and um, I think left, if I remember right. But I, I remember seeing that third base and thinking, Huh, they have not done that ever in his career. That that that's something to monitor. So I don't know, maybe
0: maybe a fun infield with De La Cruz, Barrero, and India would be a blast. Sign me up.
2: Number three, we have Matt McLean. Obviously, a guy everyone's very excited about. First round draft pick this year out of uh, UCLA, and you know, moved up pretty quick. Started a rookie ball, got to high A pretty quick. Um, There's a lot of excitement about him and the Reds fandom.
1: Yeah. And and I think for good reason, this is a guy I've seen a ton of going all the way back to the Cape Cod league for, you know, full season when I was out there, Uh, this guy, you know, he was a first round pick out of high school turned, turned it down. Ultimately it was the Arizona Dimebacks that took him turned down multiple million uh, to go fulfill his dream of playing at UCLA and then just boosted his stock even more and got drafted even higher and had a phenomenal career at UCLA and had a great summer in the Cape. He can play all over. Uh, He could play short. He could play third. He could play second. He could play all three outfield spots. He could almost play every single position on the diamond. Uh, He's a plus runner. I was impressed with a little bit more power than I was expecting when I got to see him with some wood bat, Uh, but probably still more of an average power output. But you know that's something that could play up in Cincinnati. Elite field to hit. Uh, that's what makes him really safe. I think he's probably going to, it's going to be a race between him and Sal Freelich of the Brewers, I think to be the first bat in that draft class up at the big league level. Uh, and I actually think McLean could be the answer in center field. I think he could stick at shortstop. I, I love the glove at shortstop. Uh, but you know, we, we look at a game now where defensive versatility is so valued and you know, you see super utility with a negative connotation, but super utility got Chris Taylor $80 million super utility is not something that means you're not an everyday player anymore. And I think Matt McClain can be that guy. He could also be your everyday shortstop, but I think, I think his, he's best served moving all over the diamond and, uh, and he's able to do that with an elite field to hit. He's going to, he's going to hit for a high batting average. He's going to get on base at a good clip. And I think there's some similarities with Jonathan India there, except with more defensive ability. Uh, I don't know if he's quite going to have the offensive upside of India. Like just because India gets on base, it's such an incredible clip and probably has a bit more power. Uh, but, you know, I'd say a little bit more than a bit more power. But McLean, you know, has, has that similar on-base ability and can move all over the diamond with plus speed. He, this is just a safe guy. That's why I have him at three.
3: Yeah, and to me, I think um, not Nixon a prospect, but Nixon Zell today, I think he's the, uh, just a slightly better – a much better version of what Sanchezo is right now a guy who can play all over um a guy who makes good contact i watched a game this year where he hit a ball and he didn't even get all of it or anything and it just kept carrying down the right field line and landed for a triple and i was like my gosh you know he's his swing doesn't scream um you know like he's going to hit a bomb um it's, it's kind of Similar in that way to like the Senzel swing, in my opinion. Not not saying the swings are the exact same, but um, de- definitely going to make some contact. Um, yeah, I, I just think he'll be Nixonzell, but better.
0: I love the idea of him moving all over the diamond. I think that's uh, yeah, we're all about that here. So,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. you you love Kyle Farmer. Love
2: Kyle Farmer.
0: <laughs> I love I, I love Chris Taylor. I I uh I would have taken Chris Taylor over some of the other similar players that went for about that amount of money. Just, you know, it just it, it, it's insurance for, for other guys. If you have, you know, guys go down, yeah. You know, uh, I don't know, I don't know why more players don't, don't do that. It makes you more money. I don't, what's my, the downside? It's my, hard.
1: It, it is hard. My dad raised me, you know, like play every position. Uh, and that was something I didn't. And, and it saved me in high school because we ended up, you know, having a couple stud professional you know, draft picks at the position my main position so you know like that's an important thing for for young players I always say it on the on the prospects podcast too uh but you know McLean was kind of forced to do that as well even as the first round pick that decided to show up to campus you know he's probably strutting his stuff like oh I'm gonna take UCLA by storm UCLA was a 50 win team that year and Ryan Creedler was their shortstop who ended up being a you know early draft pick to the Tigers they had uh somebody else in center, by the name of Garrett Mitchell, that that team was loaded. And so he ended up playing all over, even as a first round draft pick going to college. He played 49 games in center's collegiate career, 11 games at third. He played 26 games at second, 59 games at shortstop and played a little left and right. Uh, so, I mean, he's already shown he can do it at a high collegiate level. And I'm expecting him to do a little bit of the same in, in, uh, pro- in professional baseball, too. And obviously we know who two and one
2: are, but it's obviously super fun to talk about them as well. Uh, number two, Hunter Green, obviously the number two pick in the 2017 draft. Um, the strikeout rate was phenomenal. Um, definitely had as, you know, as Clay kind of talked about in the past with us in Triple-A had that stretch where he was getting strikeouts, but he was also giving up home runs at that time as well. But um, it seems like the expectations for him, even though it's taken a little longer than maybe Reds fans have hoped for, are still pretty
1: high. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could start on this one, Clay, and then I'll, I'll I'll fill in any dots. Yeah. Um. So Hunter Green to me, he
3: when you throw 103 or whatever, um, and it gets hit, there's oftentimes that it's going to get hit far. That's just how science works, right? So his fastball is electric, and it's going to show up all over Twitter, and people are going to fall in love with that. Um. He needs to work on his secondary offerings because that will then improve his fastball. Um, Because right now his fastball is not the only thing you have to watch out for, but it's the thing that you have to key in on with how fast it is. And when your secondary offerings aren't as strong as I think they can become, then it makes your fastball something that they can put more focus on. So he does give up some home runs. Not a great equation for Great American Ballpark. Um Another reason why I think, you know, he's 22 years old. He missed two years. Like, do not say Hunter Green needs to start and be a, you know, 30, 35 game starter for the Reds next year. Like, that's just not going to make people happy. It's not probably the best for, you know, what what's the best for Hunter Green. Um, it's totally okay. It's not a failure if he starts in the minor leagues and just, even if he only starts five or six games down there before he gets called up or whatever it may be, but I think if he could just focus in and maybe he's doing it this offseason, it changes my opinion once we see him again, but work on the secondary offerings, um, and that way it will improve the fastball in a way. That's just my my opinion on him, though.
1: I mean, look at the freaking Sports Illustrated. Like, look at this cover. Baseball's LeBron or the, does it say, or the new, new babe?
3: babe. Aaron Hernandez. What, what,
1: what, that is just one that's Ooh. just not even fair. <laughs> like that's not even fair. But what, what I will say though is thanks, he,
3: Lee Jenkins.
1: Yeah, like he is a really, really exciting pitching prospect. His athleticism on the mound is visible, and that's why his command has has gotten you know better. And he throws strikes. He's got to hit his spots a little bit more. Uh, but you know he's the type of guy that I think as he develops. I don't see why he couldn't have that elite, elite command of a triple digits fastball that you rarely see, right? That's like Jacob deGrom-esque. DeGrom didn't break until he was 26, was an athletic guy as a former shortstop and converted you know, to the mound and, and took some time to develop, especially with the secondaries. You'll get DeGrom's minor league stats. He was good, didn't strike out a ton of guys. I'm not saying Green's going to quite be DeGrom, but if there's any prospect that has even an outside shot to being close to that, it's Hunter Green, even though Ladolo is the safer bet for me, uh, at this point, the reason why Hunter Green gave up home runs, in in my opinion, and I I feel pretty confident in this, uh, you know, in this breakdown of it. Especially after talking to some hitters too, is just bringing you into the mind of a hitter. You're facing Hunter Green, right? And, and of course, we're all going to get blown up by him. But let's pretend that we can hit triple-digit fastballs on occasion. Bring you into the mind of Hunter of, of a guy that's facing Hunter Green. He threw his fastball and his slider. That's it. And the fastball was thrown 66% of the time. So two thirds of the time you're getting the fastball. If you're a hitter, you are cheating for that fastball and nothing else, right? If he locates three sliders, you will tip your cap and you'll walk back to the dugout because he's not going to do that. Uh, and so hitters were cheating fastball, trying to catch that 100 mile per hour fastball out front. And a lot of them did it. Uh, and I mean, still not to the degree that you would expect, right? I mean, there was a two out of three chance they got the fastball and he was still able to blow by guys, but the really good hitters, you'll get a lot of the home runs. It was former big leaguers and triple a was guys that, that had a game plan up there. I'm going to play the percentages and cheat for a fastball, knowing that there's a two out of three chance. I get that. And that's why I believe the number was uh, 11 or 12 of, of his 14 or 15 home runs were off of the fastball. Guys were just cheating for that. The slider is a good pitch. No one really hit the pitch that well at all. 548 OPS against the slider. Uh, That was not one that anyone was really planning on hitting. They were just daring him to to locate that pitch, and he never really mixed in the changeup. Needs the third offering so that hitters can't play the percentages. That's really the only thing missing for Hunter Green.
2: Let me ask you this, because obviously we know um, we're kind of seeing this this different baseball. Obviously, no one's ever going to be who I'm comparing it to, but... Obviously Shohei Otani has kind of set this new thing and the Reds and Michael Lorenzo for a long time. Hunter Green recently posted a video on his Instagram where he was swinging and he's got a nice cut. I know he hit really well in high school. Um, Is there a possibility? Could you see the Reds having a situation where they could use him? Not necessarily as a full fledged two way player, but something where he could be kind of getting in that fast, especially with the potential nationally designated hitter coming in.
1: I wouldn't rule that out. I mean, he's such a crazy athlete and has so much offensive, you know, any upside, period. That I, I wouldn't rule it out in an age where Shohei Ohtani is showing people it's possible. If Michael Lorenzen does it a little bit, uh, then w- why not? I mean, we even saw—shoot, uh, I'm drawing a blank. Rays, Louisville guy, help Clay Brandon McKay. Brandon, McKay. Yeah. he's gone yard at the big leagues, right? But McKay, the 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 goal was left-handed pitcher and like lefty bat off the bench. I think if you're in a pinch, right? We saw bi- we saw big league teams. Uh, run out of bats off the bench in the postseason. But yeah, I think Hunter Green could easily be that alternate guy. And, and he's definitely going to be that first bat off the bench. I wouldn't rule it out, especially when we're seeing uh, someone like Otani pave the way. Hunter Green's a good enough athlete. I, I don't think he's that far off athletically from Shohei Otani, which is outrageous to say, but I don't think he is that far off. I don't think he has quite the, uh, the prolific home run ability of Otani. Mm-hmm. But in terms of just athleticism, I don't think he's that far off. He's way more athletic than McKay and Lorenzen, I can tell you that.
3: I don't think that they will do it, and it's not because I, – I actually agree with everything you just said, but the reason why I don't think they'll do it is just simply because they haven't yet in the minors really um, used him that way. And I feel like the other players that, that were mentioned, it was kind of part of the plan, and that is yet to be the plan yet. And, you know, he, he missed two years because of surgery and COVID, so, you know, maybe they were do, doing something that we don't know about. But yeah. um, and if, if I'm the know? Reds, I have had, I, I have too many things that I need to improve on. I don't want to take my pitcher who is really going to set the foundation for the future and do anything else with him besides make sure he can be the best pitcher he is. That That's just my personal yeah. approach. Um, no, I agree and, with that. You know, a, a lot of people get fascinated with these pitchers who can hit and there's literally, like, DeGrom and Otani, and then, like, everyone told me, like, oh, Michael Lorenzen's a great hitter. No, he's not. He's just a good hitter for a pitcher. He was still a not very good hitter with some pop. That's all it was. I mean, you know, you you, you can find those a dime a dozen. So I, I'm not as interested in that. Um, But, you know, it, it would be fun. But, you know, I, I'd, I'd rather the Reds focus on Hunter Green becoming the pitcher that they need for the
2: next 8 to 10 years. I'm not saying play him at shortstop or anything, Clay. I'm just asking <laughs> a question.
0: Well, I would say, too, you know, he was still getting to hit in Triple A. He had 20 plate appearances last year because pitchers still hit. So if you're... Well, they,
3: they, they have the DH for the most part, just depending on which team they're playing
0: but but I, what i'm saying is if if we go to a dh you know the, the i think there's a possibility that they could you know play him, i don't know maybe once a week or maybe use him as a pinch hitter or something like that i would just say you know saying that they they haven't used him a, as a hitter well he gets to bat as a pitcher so he has already kind of batted it might, i i think it might be a little bit of a different scenario if if he didn't get to bat every other game
2: yeah that that do you,
3: do you know what is Hitting stats were I I genuinely have no three, idea. Three, three for nineteen. I, yeah.
1: Three, well, three for nineteen. Three I, mean, oh, I he said three nineteen. Oh no, no. It's it's been a while for him.
0: <laughs> Ten for forty nine overall. Two extra base. Three extra base hits, No home runs yet. So yeah.
2: Alex Blandino word. type line right there. <laughs> San Francisco Giants star Alex Blandino. Don't forget yeah. it's going to happen.
3: You know, the last player who we all kind of wrote off who was a similar type of middle infielder um, that... Le- oh, no way. Did did Connor Joe come or go from the Giants? He was on the Reds during spring training, and then I think he went to the Giants, and now he's playing great in Colorado. Like, what if Alex Blandino becomes the next Connor Joe?
2: Unlikely. <laughs> And that brings us to <laughs> – I'm kidding, Clay. I don't know.
3: I, I I did not expect to talk about Alex Flandino tonight. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> it's okay, buddy. We'll forgive you. <laughs> so that brings us to number one on the list. No surprises here, obviously. That's Nick Lodolo, um, left-handed pitcher, first round pick in the 2019 draft. Um, you know, Aram, you said when we started talking about this at the beginning of the show, um, that the Reds have the best one-two combo of prospects in baseball. And obviously this is the second half of that of that duo.
1: Yeah, I mean, this guy, if it weren't for the shoulder fatigue, I, I, I think he would have had one of the best, you know, minor league pitching seasons we've seen in a while. Uh, other than Grayson Rodriguez and now the graduated Shane Boz, it's hard to justify really putting anybody above Lodolo because, again, it's the combination of swing and miss and ground balls that is just... It, it's it's so nice right because even when you're off when you're not getting a ton of swing and miss you're getting ground balls you're getting out you're going deep into starts you're keeping your pitch count down you're doing well six six velo is in the mid 90s at times we we'll even touch upper uh, but more in the 94 to 96 range uh heavy fastball with sink that's why he posts uh, ground ball rates at about 55 percent uh, a really good feel for his arsenal, a nasty slider, and when you got pitches going opposite ways, right? You got a, a fastball with run, and then a slider going that way. That overlay is a nightmare for a hitter. Then has a nasty changeup as well that he uses really well, I, and then on top of that, ridiculous command. It's really hard to to not like this guy. And you look at the the numbers against each of his pitches. 688 OPS against his fastball. That's spectacular. You, you usually see, you know, most guys get their fastball hit around, uh, especially in the minor leagues. 356 OPS against his breaking ball, despite throwing it a third of the time. And then, you know, I'd like to see him use the changeup a bit more, uh, but had success only a 625 OPS against that, but only mixed it in about six percent of the time, was using a curveball a little bit more as that change of pace pitch. Uh, but he doesn't really need that much more. So I, I think he's big league ready now, assuming he's healthy. Um and he's got all the goods. He's got all the goods. He's got ace potential with a floor of like absolute floor of a three. Uh but I, I think he's gonna land as a high end two potential ace type.
3: Yeah, I've talked so much about him and tweeted so much about him that um I I don't need to go all over all that, but I did have a question for Arm. I actually read, and I just want your opinion on this. I am I just read this somewhere where someone compared him. Um, now, they did not specify if they were comparing his delivery or him as a player to Madison Bumgarner. What do you think about that?
1: The stuff is definitely different, uh, yeah. but I, I do think that there's some similarity in terms of the high three quarters type of release. Uh, and the good extension that he gets. And I think that's part of what makes him so hard to hit, right? Like everything's coming out here, especially if you're a lefty, everything looks like it looks like it's coming at your hip. If you're a righty, it's breaking late towards you. I do see some similarities there in terms of that extension and that lower arm release. Trevor Rogers is another one that's similar, except Rogers is more of a, you know, fastball up in the zone guy with life. Whereas, you know, Lodolo is more of the heavy fastball. You don't see many guys with a heavy fastball from a high three quarters release point. Usually they want to get, you know, riding life up in the zone. And I think that's what makes Lodolo so difficult is, is he's very unusual. So kind of like Ashcraft, uh, and and I think it really w- works for him well, and he he knows himself well as a pitcher. The dude struck out forty percent of batters last year. I mean, that's an absolute joke.
2: I was just trying to find for reference. So six six as a left handed pitcher, how rare that is, and it's a uh, it's pretty rare. I mean, Clayton yeah. Kershaw six four. And obviously, Randy Johnson was six ten, but yeah, that's a different person and human being specimen itself. But that's kind of like pretty interesting to see, like this tall lefty dude just come out there and throw like that.
1: Absolutely, and I think he's taken some some notes from those guys because I saw him mix in that four seamer more last year too, which which I love because that's a pitch you get him up in the zone, getting guys chasing that, and then you get the heavy fastball down in the zone. He's got the four seamer, two seamer, and then the slider and the changeup. You know, he can kind of take a little bit from all those different types of tall lefties that not a lot of guys have the ability to do. But because he's so advanced, because he has a good field of pitch, uh, he can take a little bit of everybody. And I, that's why I think he's he's so special.
3: Do you mind if I put you on the spot real quick? Sure. Um, are there any names that you came across that maybe you were lower on than you thought? Like just names to keep an eye on, not saying that they're, you know, bad prospects, but some guys who may not have performed well, who you think could still potentially, um, wow, good job, Nick, still (laughs) still, potentially kind of, you know, make an impact for the Reds in the future.
1: I'm not giving up on Tyler Callahan. I I think it's unfortunate, you know, the the time he's missed. I also, you know, I don't think he's a superstar, but I actually think he's, I don't remember. I mean, you got the notes there. I, I think he was, I said something along the lines of it. Like he's a rare high floor prospect that you just haven't seen much. Right. And and I think that's exactly what he is. He's got a really good feel to hit. The more I watched of him, even though it's limited, the more I liked about his just approach of the plate, his ability to hit. Uh, and there's no reason to think that that guy can't be a, a nice utility type with with a good chance to just hit the ball over the field and uh, and be a solid all around player. Uh, you know, you, you look at another name that was on there, Ivan Johnson. I think Johnson's really interesting. Another switch hitter, a lot of power, good athleticism, uh, but you know the 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 strikeout rates a little bit of a concern and you know, I don't necessarily know where he's going to end up defensively, but that bat can play. Uh, and I'm definitely interested in that bat. Um, but yeah, I think those are two names that I'm following. Bryce Bonin is like, a, he, he's got some freakish stuff and is a data darling. Uh, but you know, I, I do, uh, I do see him as a bullpen arm, but I think he could be a wipeout bullpen arm. Uh, and that's worth noting, I think in the prospect ranks as well. Uh, but those are definitely some of the names I I think uh, are definitely worth watching and monitoring moving forward.
0: Arm, do you think Aleo uh, Lopez
1: is a big leaguer? He's tough, man. I, like those, there's some of those guys that just mash in the upper level of the minors and can't quite put it together. Uh, but I, I do think he's got a spot in the big leagues. I think he belongs. I, it was it was kind of wild to see him just like only hit singles <laughs> in a short big league stint. And I do think that that's going to be the big question. But anytime you walk more than you strike out in the upper levels, it's incredibly encouraging. Uh, he can play all over the diamond again, which really helps him. I think he's a big league utility guy that can put the bat on the ball, no doubt.
3: He's the type of guy that some old school manager is going to fall in love with because he puts the ball in play. He can play a few positions. He's not slow. Like somebody's going to fall in love with him. Kind of like the Juan Castro of the Reds, where it's like he was a negative war player for his 15 year career, but like he still gets jobs. Um,
1: I think it'll be better than that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But no, I, I, I think Alejo Lopez, and I know I've said this before, raises the level of the bench bats that were in play last year. I'm not saying he's going to be great or even a starter or anything, but I believe he's better than the Mike Freeman's, Alex Blandinos, any of those guys that were on the roster. No, definitely. In um, in this past, he's been in. Well, right now he's in Arizona, um, working out. But he was in a Mexican league and he was playing shortstop and making play after play, diving. Not just like, oh, he's out here playing shortstop and like kind of fielding a ball, like keep an eye on it. Like he was making legit plays at short and he played some short early in his career hasn't recently um and he was hitting bombs um which is not mlb pitching but i'm just watching him and thinking like okay everyone always talks about how he has no power i just saw two home runs like i've seen it in real life now that and you know i i think he could be a guy who would not be a zero home run guy you know what i mean no 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 he has some gap power too
1: not at all. And I mean, like, he, he, I think he had one oppo home run last year that was like 104 miles an hour, which, you know, it's is not ex- off the charts, but it, it shows me, you know, some of the max of over triple digits. He, he should be able to leave the yard in Cincinnati a handful of times. No problem. Zone contact off the charts, which, are, which I really like over a 90% zone contact rate, which is, you know, that that would be among the best in major league baseball. Elite, uh, and, yeah. and, and, you know, you bring the defensive versatility there, puts the bat on the ball. Most of those guys that are utility dudes don't hit. Um, So, you know, I think he he could be an interesting piece there.
3: If he was younger, I feel like people would be much higher on him. Um, Just I I think he kind of is what he is at this point. He has nothing left to prove. And that's why I was okay with them calling him up and using him as a bench bat. I don't see him, you know, doing much more in the minors. I don't see why they need him down there either. You know, keep him on the bench this year or see if you can trade him in a package, you know, as a throw in type thing to, to, to bring something else back.
2: You yeah, mentioned- like it, Go
0: ahead, Nick. Sorry, I said I feel like if this was the nineties, he would absolutely be a big league starter somewhere. Oh, You know, hell like, yeah. like he he was he's brought up in the wrong generation, but
2: a throwback I mean,
0: player, no doubt. Yeah. I mean Zips has him as five home runs and nearly five hundred plate appearances. So I mean that's <laughs> that's what they're I mean, that's what they're 500? going on. For. Nearly 500, 478 five home runs. So, I mean, oh it's my, it's, it's really hard to be a big league starter at a non-premium position. If you play shortstop, I think it's different. You know, it's a different story, but pretty hard five home runs and nearly a full season, you know, to to hold down a non-premium position.
2: Yeah. So what you're saying is Buck show now that Buck is in charge of the Mets, that Alejo yeah. Lopez will, will be a Met. Um,
3: who are they gonna give us like Dom Smith back? And I, 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 I'm i sure that they'd be willing to trade Dom Smith so we have another lefty.
2: I don't actually hate that. I'm you could put him in center. That. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had him on and off on my dynasty league team this past year, and it was like <laughs> anytime someone got hurt because he could play first base, in outfield. I, it was snagged him off the waiver wire. <laughs>
0: Brandon Nemo has too low of an average. Let's get this Lopez kid in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Batting
3: average and pitcher wins, the two things that matter.
2: Yeah. <sighs> Thanks, P Mantle. <laughs> uh
0: Clay, I, I did want to ask you, who's your guy that that wasn't on the top ten that, that you're really uh, you know, high honor or whatnot?
3: Um, so Callahan What was the guy I was gonna pick because because of his hit tool, but I'll go off um, Michael Ciani, I'll pick him mostly because I feel like everyone's kind of forgotten about him and and kind of wrote him off. And the reason why is he was injured last year. He was a former top 10 prospector, I think as high as six in the red system. Um, I'm not giving up on him, especially because he's one of the few people that are at that age and experience that he could get a look sooner rather than later. And as we went through these top 10, I mean, all these guys are years away. Um Siani is a humongous year ahead of him if I was a betting man I wouldn't bet that he's gonna turn out to be what everyone projected him to be um but yeah i mean he he had upside at one point he was injured last year came back from injury and it showed in his play um so big year ahead of him and if if you told me at the end of the year like Michael Ciani played really well like I would not be surprised um he has enough speed and ability in the outfield that you know, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that he could turn it around. Nice. Or, or was he a college baseball guy in like Pittsburgh area or something? Or was he high school?
1: I thought he was a high school guy. If I'm not mistaken, but I I, I think
3: he was wrong. committed somewhere um, and didn't end up going or something. I don't remember. Just something about that ring a bell. That's yeah. all that I have.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That's
3: an hour and twenty-three minutes of talk of prospects. Anyone who's doing that on national championship night, wow. Clay, it's nine really to six great.
2: in the third quarter. We're just not no one's missing What? It's nine to six in the third quarter. No one's missing anything. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. Yeah, Spoiler.
1: I had a DVR, man. I was gonna rewatch the whole yeah. thing.
2: Well, <laughs> I just saved you two hours of time. So yeah. you're
1: welcome. <laughs> Yeah, no problem at all, man. I, and I, I could talk prospects for five hours. Even I, a super I do
3: have one more quick question on updates to prospect list. How often do you plan on doing that? So Reds fans now are kind of yeah. tuned in and following you along, and f- following just baseball. They're reading the Reds top ten. When should they expect? Is it draft? Is it mid season? Is it beginning season? What do you plan?
1: Yeah. So you know what I'm really excited about. I think is when you see. I'm going to try and make these lists pretty fluid, but in terms of the the actual full list relook update, you know, I think we'll be doing them just about, you know, this will be the one going into the season. Nothing's going to change. Uh, then we'll probably do two updates during the season. Uh, and then, you know, a final at the end of the year as well. The one thing that we will end up doing a lot of is, you know, the reds make a trade. I'm going to update that on the list, right? So, you know, if, if somebody, if Andrew Abbott goes out, somebody else is being ushered into the top 10 and we'll do that. It won't be a full update on everybody else, but I do want to keep that up to date. So we're, you know, when Reds fans come to check on the top 10, it's not dated. So we will always be updating it, but in terms of the, this is our new top 10 Uh, definitely we'll have one done. I would say probably two months into the season do another one after, you know, the halfway point, probably closer to the final quarter of the season. And then a final blast after the year is over Uh, and same with the top 100 list as well.
2: Cool, awesome, something to keep an eye on. Also, where can we buy those sweet Just Baseball hoodies like you're rocking right now?
1: Oh yeah, you could uh, you could check them out over at uh, JustBaseball.com. We got a little, little store shopping tab over there. Uh, I appreciate you asking. Yeah, I, I was really excited with how these came out. Uh, I, I'm gonna have to order one. It's slick. Oh please, Oh, yeah! I would love that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, over at the, at the store uh, on JustBaseball.com.
3: Perfect. On, on the back's a diamond with JB. It's
2: it's nice. Yeah. Ooh, perfect. Now, if you guys open a baseball card shop, you'll have all of my money. I'm getting there.
1: (laughs) I love it. I got a bunch.
0: (laughs) Yeah, thanks Thanks so much, Arm, for coming on. Love what you you guys are doing over at Just Baseball. Absolutely. And, and Clay, we always love having you, my man. So, yeah, thanks for coming on and filling an hour and a half. And I I feel like you you guys didn't even touch. You just scratched the surface. I feel like you guys could (laughs) have kept
1: going. I'll do it anytime and I, I'm really excited. The prospect coverage is something I love. I'll actually be launching um, my own prospect show. I, I left uh, the network I was with before, obviously wanted to bring it under just baseball. So I'll be launching a podcast on prospects. I'll be talking plenty about the reds as well. Uh, and the two main guys called the call up uh, that should be out in the next week or so. So, uh, uh, for those who enjoy the prospect coverage, keep an eye out for that. I'll obviously blast it out on Twitter uh, once once it's official, uh, but very excited about that. Going to have a lot of prospect interviews on there as well. Uh, some, some high profile guys, a lot of top 100 guys, and obviously a lot of analysis like this too. So very excited about that. Really appreciate the time guys and uh, looking forward to, to hopefully hopping on again when Ellie Dilla Cruz is on everybody else's top 100 list and uh, <laughs> we can talk a little bit about that.
2: Awesome. We definitely look forward to that. Uh, so we're going to go and wrap this week's edition of Late Night Reds Talk up here on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you all for tuning in. Really important. Got to make sure we get this in before we get out of here. on spot. I know a lot of our listeners come from Spotify. We definitely appreciate it. You can now rate podcasts on Spotify. So for those of you who love Late Night Reds Talk Live, make sure you give us that five-star on Spotify so we can keep getting our name out there. Uh, we also have to give an awesome shout-out that we made number 17 of the Top 20 Cincinnati Podcasts. We definitely did not think that was going to be possible in our first year. Uh, so we can't thank everyone enough who's tuned in. And on behalf of Nick Carlos, myself, Clay, Bryce, everyone who joins in, uh, we definitely appreciate everything. So have a good one. We'll let you get back to the college football championship for some godforsaken reason.
1: Take it easy, everybody. Listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.
3: So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out everything.